Hey, good to see you guys uh, this weekend. Glad you're joining us. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Uh, I'm Dan. I'm one of the pastors here at the Norton Campus Grace Church. And uh, I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm sure your Thanksgiving was a bit different this year, right? Uh, everybody's kind of having unique experiences. I know for our family, it was unique. Uh, my family, we usually play this big turkey bowl and all that kind of stuff. Kind of got canceled, sidelined this year. Um, but a lot of differences, right? It's just been a whole different year. A lot has changed. There's been a lot of things that are different. All that lends to some uh, unique uh, Christmas shopping ideas, right? Uh, I kind of want to help you out with your Christmas shopping because we're going to begin a Christmas conversation today. And uh, I came across these unique ornaments. Uh, this one here, 2020, kind of got the toilet paper up here. You guys remember that? It has all these things checked off. Global pandemic, right? Quarantine, social distancing, uh, all those things checked off, work from home, travel ban, and then it says at the very bottom, we survived, right? We got to the end of it. How about this one? Some of you might like this one. Some of you uh, promote it to homeschool mom, the job I did not apply for in 2020. I've heard from a lot of you, like, I didn't even want that job, right? And then this one, this one's kind of a more of a positive twist, right? 2020, year full of unknowns, right? The year we stocked up on toilet paper, the year of mask wearing, quarantine, the year of working from home and making history. Then it says this, the year of coming closer together than ever before. Love that, right? Uh, here's what I know, this year has been unique right? It's been unpredictable. It's been hard for some of you. It's been frustrating, unsettling, disappointing. Can I get an amen, right? Some of you out there. Yeah, that's all leads us to some questions. I think that this year kind of dredges up inside of us. Questions like, you know, where in the world do I find joy when everything that brought me joy seems to be taken away, right? Or questions like, what happens when all the things that I planned to happen don't happen like I planned them to happen, right? Some of you are facing that, right? And, and, and then how about this question? Like, how in the world do I keep on going on when I don't know what's going on? And what I do see going on, I'm not sure I like it all that much. Those are some questions that, quite simply, through this conversation that we're going to have in Christ, we just want to answer these head on. And that last one is the one we want to tackle today. Head on, right? How in the world do you and I keep going on when we don't know what's going on and what we do see going on, we're not sure we like it anyways. You ever feel that way? Just in general? You ever feel like you just want to quit because you don't know what's going on? Fact of the matter is all kinds of things can make us feel that right? right? Some of you are facing this right now. You have personal disappointments in your life. Some of you have that, right? Maybe 2020 has brought that. Maybe life has just brought that. And, and personal disappointments, they can just kind of paralyze. Like, I don't really want to keep going on, right? Or, or how about this? See if uh, you ever experienced this. How about political cultural chaos? Uh, that can create a lot of angst, even anger. I'd even say arrogance, right? And it can, somehow, it can be the very thing that can cause, I don't know that I'm going to keep going on. Is it worth it, right? Or how about this? How about a spiritual silence? How about when God seems silent? Isn't that something that kind of can silence us and si sideline us in our life? We're like, oh man, I don't know that I can keep going on. God seems so quiet in my life. Here's what I know. These are raw, real, and very human questions. Here's what you know and I know. Sometimes life is an ordeal. You tracking with me? Life can be an ordeal. And then you throw something like 2020 on top of, you got an ordeal on top of an ordeal. 
And all of a sudden it causes thinking, well, how do I keep going on? I don't even know what's going on. I think the first Christmas can help us navigate that. Honest to goodness, I think it can help us. Here's what I know. When it comes to Christmas, we can sanitize the whole story. You're probably getting your decorations out right now, right? And you're putting the nativity on the mantelpiece. And sometimes when we look at the Christmas story, we sanitize it, right? We got all these happy uh, kind of scenery things that go on. Things maybe like this. Maybe you have a nativity, like everybody's got halos. Like where does halos come from, right? Like we take these Bible people and we make them something different than we can identify with. Even the animals are smiling, right? It's like crazy, right? Or how about this one? We kind of get these unrealistic pictures. I love this one, right? Here's Mary and Joe. She just gave birth to a baby. I don't know, man. I've been around when three of my kids were born. Nobody was looking like that in the room, I'm just saying. And I always question like, what's up? What's up with the five-year-old baby Jesus, right? I mean, we have these unrealistic pictures of that first nativity. Here's what I want you to know. The truth is that that first Christmas, now listen, looked more like an ordeal than it did like an ornament. We make it look like an ornament. Everybody's smiling, got halos. It looked more like an ordeal. They were real people. This was not a rehearsed Christmas program where everybody memorized their lines. Everything's polished, right? Everything's been practiced. But these were real people walking through the ordeal they were facing for the first time. It was an ordeal. It wasn't an ornament. And as we kind of press into these real people, I think they help us navigate some of the real, raw, and human questions you and I are asking. I want to talk about two people uh, three, actually, that probably do not show up on your mantelpiece. They're probably not in your front yard this Christmas. And yet, they are the ones that kind of kicked off the original Christmas. If you have your Bibles, go get a Bible, get your phone. I want you to track with me through this. Luke chapter 1 is where I want to go. Luke chapter 1. Fascinating story. How in the world do you and I keep going on when we don't know what's going on? Luke 1 is going to help us out. Here's what it says. Verse five, you with me? In the time of Herod, king of Judea. Now that'd been key, that'd been a, a marker to people reading this, right? There was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. You can go to 1 Chronicles chapter 24, read that kind of stuff. They had divisions, right? And so he belonged to that division. They had rotations. His, his rotation was the division of Abijah. His wife, her name was Elizabeth. She was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them, this is cool, kind of tells us a little bit about them. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Here's what we know. Introduced to two people in particular, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Here's what we know. They're probably from the hill country. He's a priest. She's a preacher's kid. That's the way to think of it. And they come from a long line of preachers, right? She's from the line of Aaron. And, and so what we see, we see something about their character, right? Blameless. Uh, here's the way we're going to say it for today. These are people that are observing and following what it is that God wanted them to do. They keep going on. There are two people that kept going on when it was hard to tell what was going on. You're saying, what do you mean? Well, look at what it says. It says, they kept going on in the time of Herod, king of Judea. Here's what I want you to know. There was a lot of political chaos, cultural chaos, when Zechariah was a priest. 
that literally the Romans had put Herod in charge. And if you don't know anything about Herod, the Herod who's in charge, King Herod, he was cruel. He was mean. He was unpredictable. I wrote some of this down. Uh, one guy said this, historian said this, it was better to be a pig, Herod's pig, than to be his own son. There was no discretion, man. He, he was cruel to his own family. Someone else wrote this uh, about King Herod. As long as he lived, no woman's honor was secure and no man's life was safe. That's King Herod, right? Remember, he's the one, if you keep reading, you, you know the story enough, He's the one who gave the order for the baby boys to be killed in Bethlehem. He's the one who made that order. And so, so what you have is Zachariah and Elizabeth. They keep going on. But there's political, cultural chaos going on. But not only that, there's spiritual silence. Because here's what we know. In the time of Herod the king, I would think about it this way. I'm surprised Zechariah would even want to become a priest because of the spiritual signs. You say, Dan, what do you mean? Well, probably, if my timeline's about right, Zechariah would have been a young boy when the general Pompey rode into town, Roman general, and he marched right into the Jewish temple, and he marched right into the Holy of Holies, the place where no one was supposed to go, as though to march in and say, look, and he marched right back out, and nothing happened. And it was almost like, whoa. It was almost like saying, my Roman gods are more powerful than, than your Hebrew God. Beyond that, the spiritual silence in the time of the king, literally, the curtain had dropped the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. You can go check me on this. And it had been, ready? 400, 400 years since God's people had heard anything. No prophet had spoken, no scripture written, 400 years of silence. You see, here's what I can tell you. These two people, they, they, they kept on going. The truth is, they didn't know what was going on. It was a really chaotic time when God seemed silent, but there was more to the story. Look at the very next verse. Verse 7 says this. But, you ready? But they, there's chaos, God's silent, they were childless. Because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both, what, very old. Do me a favor, let them be real for a second. Can you imagine newly married beginning to dream about their family, and all of a sudden they're going through life, they're praying for their family, they're praying for their children, they're watching all their friends have kids. Can you imagine this? Nothing, no kids. You wouldn't know this just from reading this, but this would have been a social disgrace that literally people would have looked at Elizabeth and been like, something must be wrong. God must be cursing you. No kids? Because in their culture, I mean, in their culture, I'm not saying this was right, but in their, like, that's what women were, like women, they gave birth. No kids, there must be something wrong with you. Can you imagine Zachariah and Elizabeth just every night praying, following God, heartbroken, just wondering, Man, we keep following God, trusting God. And can you imagine that maybe they might say, I wonder why? Because it doesn't seem to be benefiting us much. You ever, you ever been there? Are you a follower of Christ? You ever ask why? Why should I keep following? Why should I keep giving? 
Why should I keep making the decisions that I'm making? Why should I keep obeying? Why, why keep waiting? Why am I missing out? Why am, am, why am I not just moving in? I got the feeling that, that Zachariah and Elizabeth, they, they might have had a great case of the wise. Here's what I know. Zachariah and Elizabeth kept on going even though they experienced personal disappointment, no kids. They lived in cultural chaos. Herod was the king and God seemed unusually quiet. They kept going on. You ever feel that? You ever been there? Christmas stories for you. Story goes on, verse eight. Once when Zachariah's division was on duty, so it was his, his rotation, he was serving as priest before God and he was chosen by lot. That's how they determined this, this role he's gonna play according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. This is a big deal, maybe a once in a lifetime deal. And when the time came for the burning of incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So he's doing this, it was a privileged thing. He had been, uh, they drew lots and he was chosen. He's in there performing his priestly duty, verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Just let this be real for a second. He's in there alone. And when Zechariah saw him, he was what? Startled. And he was gripped with fear. Just, just, just stay with us a minute. Like, let him be real. Go here with him. How do you think you would have reacted if you were him? I got some pretty good idea how I might react. I've been in this church building alone sometime. And I'm going to tell you this big shiny angel shows up. Okay. I'm going to be startled. I'm going to be gripped with fear, right? I, I have people, like when the Bible talks about angels, they're all usually big, powerful, shiny. Like, they're, like I, hear, I have people say this, hey, you know, I, I encountered an angel. Like I have 28 years I've been a pastor. I have people say, yeah, I had an angel come. Like, like they're having coffee with an angel. And I'm like, wow, that looks nothing like when the angels of the Bible showed up, right? Like you think that must not have been a, a Bible angel or whatever, right? Like it must have been a different, because they're usually big and they're shiny, right? And, and, and he's, he's gripped with fear, <laughs> which leads the angel to say what angels usually say. Here's what he says. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Why would he say that to Zachariah? Because he knew he'd be afraid, you know? An angel shows up. But here's why he says, don't be afraid. Your prayer's been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. Call him John. He'll be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Now listen to this. For he'll be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. And he'll bring back, this is key, lean in now. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, Old Testament prophet, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I wonder if at that minute, the priest, Zechariah, would have known his Old Testament, and I wonder if the very last words in the book of Malachi would have all of a sudden popped to his head. Do you know what the last words in the book of Malachi are? Let me show you real quick. See, I'll send the prophet Elijah. Sounds like what he just heard. To you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I'll come and strike the land. with total. Like, this is how the Old Testament ends. 
And all of a sudden, this angel shows up and says, hey, Zachariah, this kid you're going to have? And it's almost like, it's like the curtain dropped, the curtain opened. And it's like we're picking up where we left off. It's interesting, isn't it? Go back to the story. Zachariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? He's like, I love that the Bible's just honest about this. It makes the Bible more credible to me. It doesn't sugarcoat. It doesn't airbrush the characters of the Bible. It's like, how can I be sure? He's standing there with an angel. And then he says this, I'm old. I'm an old man. But don't mistake that. He's diplomatic. He says, I'm an old man. But he says, my wife, she's well along in years, right? Good move, Zachariah. The angel said, I'm Gabriel. Remember him from the book of Daniel, if you were with us? I stand in the presence of God. That's going to come in handy later. And I've been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news. And then he says, now you'll be silent. I'm going to be able to speak. You want to sign until this happens. This is your sign. You're going to have to sign now to speak. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Zachariah's kind of in a bit of time out here, right? He said, you wanted a sign? Now here's your sign. You're going to have to sign. So verse 21, it says, Meanwhile, people waiting outside for Zachariah. So he just had this encounter, wondering why he was in there so long, right? When he came out, he couldn't speak. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple because he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. I, I like to make the Bible pop a little bit and reading like I wonder what signs he made you know like how do you like saw a big shiny angel in there right uh pointing to his wife you're gonna be pregnant right we're gonna have a baby she's like slap him like stop what are you saying I'm fat no you're pregnant right we're gonna have a baby his name is gonna be John he's the Malachi 4 guy like how do you sign all that like that's what he's trying to do right and then it says this verse 23 when his time of service was completed he returned home after this his wife Elizabeth became pregnant for five months, remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And the baby that she has, his name would be John the, you got it, Baptist. He'd be the one who says, here comes Jesus, the forerunner. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. Woo, what a beginning to Christmas. However you view Christmas this weekend, can I just say it this way? Christmas is a picture of God using very ordinary people who were doing ordinary things to, ex to accomplish extraordinary purposes because he's an extraordinary God. And can we just say this? They were ordinary people who were going through their own ordeals. And when the angel showed up, it kind of added ordeal on top of the ordeal. I don't know if you thought about it this way. I mean, now we got some grandparents raising a baby, you know? Like, this is not a Christmas ornament. Like, these are people who are going through real life ordeals. And you know what? He still does. He still uses ordinary people. He works in ordinary people doing ordinary things, going through their own ordeals. The question is, how do you keep going in the middle of your ordeal? Whether it's personal disappointment, cultural chaos, or maybe God just feels silent. How do we keep going? I think Zachariah and Elizabeth give us some things that we can lean into. First thing is this, I want you to write this down somewhere, but I would start by saying this, I can keep on going because I know God is gonna keep on paying attention to me. I think his story tells me that. Did you pick up on the fact that Zachariah was a praying man? Like, like the angel said that, right? Like Zachariah, you're a praying man. You ever wonder if Zachariah and Elizabeth wondered to themselves, do our prayers matter? You're wondering how many times, how often they would have prayed for their nation and they got King Herod? You wonder how often they prayed for a kid 
Nothing. You wonder how often they might have prayed, God, would you show up and speak up? Silence. Here's what I know. You already know this. Sometimes when God seems so quiet and so silent, we can assume he's disinterested and that he has quit paying attention to us. And what many of us are tempted to do is when it seems like God has quit paying attention to us, we feel like our prayers are bouncing off the proverbial ceiling. You ever feel that way? Just, just be honest with me. You ever feel that way? I have. What can happen is when we think he's quit listening, then we quit talking. And sometimes we think he's quit listening because he's not responding the way we want. And when I want. A guy named Tim Keller, I love, he, he said this. He said, God will either give us what we ask when we pray, or he'll give us what we would have asked if we knew everything he does. I love that, right? But I think there, so, so I think that's powerful, but I think there's something way more profound going on here. But I don't know that I ever saw quite the way I saw it as I was studying it this last week. Uh, there, there's something profound because even if God is not responding the way you want and when you want, Christmas and this story reminds you to keep going into the presence of God in prayer. Why? Because he's paying attention. The Bible is full of people who encountered the silence of God. Job, encountered the silence of God. Abraham, made a promise like, what's happening? Seems God's silent, right? Joseph, Old Testament Joseph, silence of God, right? I love this. Don't miss this. Gabriel tell, this is key, I want you to get this. He tells Zachariah, I am coming right from the presence of God. That's interesting to me. Circle that in your Bibles. He says, I'm coming right from the presence of God. That tells me something. That first and foremost, prayer, listen close, is practicing the continued presence of God in my life. That's what prayer is. Sometimes we view prayer more like sitting on Santa Claus's lap. You, you, you ever sit on Santa Claus's lap? What do, you, what do you do? When you're a kid, now if your kids are watching this, get them out of the room. I don't want to mess something up, right? Uh, and if you still believe in Santa Claus, you might want to leave for this illustration. I don't know. But sitting on Santa Claus's lap, what do you do? You go and you say, this is what I want. And if you don't get what you want, there's two ways you respond. One is you assume I must be naughty. I wasn't a good boy. I didn't get what I want. I asked Santa Claus, I should have got it. The second response is this. If I don't get what I asked Santa Claus for, he must not be real. Sometimes that's the way we approach God. When we pray, he doesn't give me what I want. I must be naughty. He doesn't give me what I want. He must not be real. When actually prayer is more like recognizing the presence of your father who doesn't always give you what you want, but when you come home, you acknowledge his presence, his continued presence. I love that. He, he, here's what this story tells me. The story tells me this, that God's paying attention to me. The question is this, am I paying attention to God? That's what prayer is. The angel makes a point to tell Zachariah his name. This is so interesting to me. Gabriel is his name. You know what Gabriel means? It means God's my strength. But I think there's something interesting there. It's almost like he says, I'm Gabriel. And then it's almost like he's implicitly saying, Zechariah, don't forget your name. Why would I say that? Do you know what Zechariah means? God remembers me. You see, here's the deal. Somebody a lot smarter than me 
said this at one time, and I don't even know, it didn't write down who it was, so I don't even know who to give credit to. But it, the credit couldn't go to me, somebody who said this, but I love this. The quote goes like this, God's silence, ready, should never be confused with his absence. When he seems silent, trust his presence. I love that. Sometimes he's not just silent though. Sometimes, let's just be honest, he's inactive, right? We're like, woo, man, the struggle can be, we, we don't know whether to keep going on because it feels like God stopped going on. <laughs> it feels like he's not only silent, but it feels like he's on a sabbatical, right? Like he just stopped working. You ever feel that? Like he's not just not talking to me, he's not doing anything. Zechariah, he kept going on when he didn't know a lot about what was going on, nor did the Jewish people. Literally for 400 years, silence. Like when, when the book of Malachi ended, it's like the curtain went down. You, you ever been to a play? This is the best way I know to think about the way the Old Testament ends. You ever been to a play? Like I'm not a big go to play kind of guy, but I've been to several, okay? And it's, isn't it interesting, like uh, there's scenes in a play, right? And in between scenes, what happens? The curtain shuts. And if you're watching the play, you're sitting in the seat. And the assumption is that nothing's happening until the curtain opens back up. And then, oh, there's the next scene. But there's a difference between watching a play and being in a play. There's a difference between watching it and being in it. Because if you're in the play, then you get a chance to peek behind the curtain. And you know something if you've ever been in a play. That when that curtain shuts, what happens? There's all kinds of things happening, right? There's all kinds of things that no one in the seat sees. I think the same thing is true here. When the curtain came down in the book of Malachi, and before it ever opened up in Luke chapter one, there's all kinds of things happening. God seemed silent. It seemed like he had stopped working, and yet the curtain had shut and God was active. The walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt. Alexander the Great, we talked about him last week, right? All of a sudden, everybody has a common language. They can understand each other. The Maccabean Revolt, Hanukkah, Roman captivity, the roads are built. All of a sudden, there's all kinds of things. So that, listen, listen. When the curtain lifted in Luke chapter one, Zechariah is on the stage. The stage has been set. What's the point? I want you to write it down this way. The point is this, you and I can keep on going because I know, we know, that God keeps on working even when I don't see it. You gotta get this. I want you to know this. I spend so much time talking to people about this. From the seat of human perspective, sometimes it can look like the play has stopped. Maybe the story of God was on an intermission, but when you peek behind the divine curtain, you realize God's been working the whole time. For some of you, this lean in, for some of you it feels right now the curtain's dropped on your life. From the seat you sit in, it looks like God's not doing anything. Honestly. And you're like, why do I keep going on? It feels like God stopped. Can I show you a passage out of some wisdom literature in the Old Testament? We need some wisdom, right? Proverbs 3, here's what it says. This was my dad's favorite passage. This is how I remember this, right? It, it literally was above his head the day he died. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What's he saying? He said, trust the Lord even, even when what he's doing is behind the curtain of your understanding. Like the curtain is shut. I can't, I can't tell what's going on. He says, well, trust God's doing something behind the curtain, right? In all your ways, submit to him. I'm gonna follow him. He'll make your path straight. He'll direct your path. 
we keep following, we keep listening, we keep trusting, we keep working so that we're ready for the moment that that proverbial curtain might lift, right? In the middle of our disappointment and cultural chaos and when God seems silent, even when he might seem like he's on a sabbatical, he's working. Zachariah's story helps me to keep going. Here's why. I want to keep on going because I don't want to somehow miss an incredible ending. I love that Zachariah was on the stage ready, right? You see, here's what I know. God's paying attention. The question is, am I paying attention to him? The second thing is, God's working. Even if it's behind the curtain of my understanding, the question is, am I trusting him? Do I continue to follow him even when it seems like, man, I can't tell what's going on? It's behind the curtain of what I can see. But there's something else. Zechariah asked, how can this be? And the angel said, you can count on it because God says it. I would write it this way. I can keep on going because I know God is going to keep on keeping his word. <laughs> Let's write it down. When I think of this, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, as I was doing a little study, I think about Elizabeth's name. Like, Back then, they gave names because they meant something. Elizabeth's name literally means this. You ought to write this inside of your Bible. God is faithful and will keep his promises. I love that because can you imagine these two getting up in the morning saying good morning to each other? Morning, Zachariah, or literally, hey, good morning. God remembers you. <laughs> oh, good morning, Elizabeth. Literally, hey, good morning. God's going to keep his promises. It's almost like Zachariah in this, or Gabriel in this story wants to remind Zachariah and Elizabeth of their names. Listen to me. That's the secret to keep on going on, right? That there's God paying attention to me, and he's going to keep his word, right? I love that. I can count on God to keep his promise. Isn't it true that when God seems silent, we can start to doubt whether or not he's going to do what he says he's going to do? We can begin to doubt it. The secret to me, keep on going on, is to believe and trust that God's faithful to his word. That means several things, okay? Get your pens ready. When God told Zechariah what he did, I think Zechariah, now this is key, would have immediately thought, oh, you're, taught, you're pointing back to Malachi chapter 4. It makes me think of a passage in the book of Romans. Look at this passage in the book of Romans. These things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. One of you has been emailing me, asking me if the Old Testament or the Bible, uh, the things that he spoke to the people in the Bible, uh, have anything to do with us. Uh, and you've been sending me an anonymous email, and, and I appreciate that. So if you're listening, I want to talk to you right now. Write Romans 15, 4 down. These things were scripture to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait. So these things that were spoken to them, as we wait, they're, they're for us, as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Here's what I know. If, if I'm gonna keep on going on, I gotta start with this. I want you to write this down. I gotta know what he said. I gotta know what he says. Here, here's the point I wanna say this. I meet so many people like, I just wish God would say something to me. Listen, everybody lean in. He did. There's a lot of frustration. Why isn't God speaking up? He did. Many times what happens is we don't know to connect the dots because we don't know what he said. 
We don't know the promises he gave. We don't know the things that, how he expressed his heart. So I gotta begin by knowing what he says. I know this, sometimes we jump the gun and take matters into our own hands. Why? Because we think that he's not able to do what he said. And the second thing is, I gotta trust that he's able to do what he said he would do. Zechariah had to let God out of his box. I think Zechariah had a big view of God, and yet he's like, how's this gonna be? I'm old. Let me ask you a question. How big's your God this Christmas? How big's your God? You see, you want the secret to keep on going on? I gotta know what he said and trust he's gonna do what he said, and I gotta trust that he's able to, that he is able to do what he said. I love the fact that when, when all of a sudden the angel shows up to Mary eventually, one of the things he says is this, with God, nothing's impossible. Do you believe that? And then I think this, the truth is, sometimes it's not just that we think God's not able. We're just, we, come on, let's just be honest, right? Raise your hand if you're, we just don't like his timing. Anybody with me? <laughs> right? Like sometimes his timing's not our timing. And I gotta trust that his timing is perfect. In other words, God's working behind the scenes right now. He's paying attention to me, and he's the same God that I can count on to keep his word, and his timing is impeccable. It's perfect. God's always right on time. Write that down somewhere. God is always right on time. And he's paying attention to me, and he's working, even if it's behind the curtain of my understanding. See, that's how you keep on going on when you don't know what's going on. But can I end with this? I think maybe a deeper question is why? Why should I keep on going on? And I think Galatians chapter four gives us some indication. Because here's what it says, this God, this God, who's working behind the scenes, who, this God who always keeps his word, who's paying attention to me, when the right time came, perfect timing, God, that God, sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Listen to me. Christmas points to Jesus and the story called the gospel. And here's what it says. Why should I keep going on? Because at just the right time, the God who is paying attention to you is so paying attention to you that he sent Jesus to do the work on the cross that you could not do for yourself. When Jesus died on the cross, I can tell you most people didn't understand what's going on. They didn't understand it was behind the curtain of their understanding. And yet what Galatians 4 says is that's when God was doing a powerful work for you and I that literally Jesus died in our place for our sin. Why? Because he's a God who's paying attention to you. He's a God who was willing to come and do the work in your place because he's a God who will always keep his word. He promises never to leave us nor forsake us. You're not listening to this talk by mistake. Did you know that? I don't believe that. It's not a coincidence. And some of you listening have never said yes to Jesus. And this Christmas, how do I keep on going on? I think it's simply saying yes to the God who's paying attention to you.
the God who came and did the work for you on the cross that literally buys you freedom from everything that's causing chaos in your life. I think it's saying yes to a God who says, I promise I'll keep my word. For some of you, you're a follower of Christ. And all I'd say to you is this, you can keep going on even when you don't know what's going on. And I know a lot of you are like frustrated because you don't know what's going on. <laughs> but you like Zachariah and Elizabeth can keep going on because God remembers you. He's paying attention to you. And not only that, but he's working. Like, what's going on? You're watching the news and you're freaking out. Like, what's going on? Well, it might be behind the curtain of your understanding, but God's working. And you want to know something? He will always act like God and he will keep his word. I got to know what he said. Then I got to ask, do I believe he's able to do what he said? And then I got to ask, do I trust his timing? So God, this Christmas, some of us need to keep going on because we don't know what's going on. And some of us don't like what we see going on. God, I pray that you'd help us to lean in to this story, the real, raw, earthy story of Christmas. God, I pray for some that are watching this. They've never said yes to Jesus, and, and that's you. Some of you are listening to this right now. You've never said yes to Jesus. That right there in their living room, right there in their kitchen, wherever they're watching this, that they say, yes, Jesus, I believe you love me. You came at just the right time and died in my place. And today I want to confess you as Savior, Lord, and King of my life. If you pray that prayer, I'd love to hear from you. God, I thank you for those who maybe have prayed that prayer. I thank you so much for the freedom that that gives them from sin, the fact that now they belong to the family of God with a hope everlasting. I love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.